Hello and a warm welcome to the MoveLib52 podcast from your hosts, Roland and Galena. I'm Roland and I am a skill-based weight loss coach who lost 110 pounds myself 17 years ago, kept it off ever since, and now I help my clients and readers to do the same. And I'm Galena. I'm a movement specialist and a trauma therapist, supporting people with chronic and persistent pain and recovering from emotional eating. This is your first time with us. Head on over to eatmovelive52.com slash podcast guest. Get your free download and uh, see how you can work with us. And now on to the show. Hi, Kate. Thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. I just am so excited for a great conversation with you all today. So for those of you who don't know Kate, we're just tickled because it's so rare that we can have in real life, in real time, somebody that we so greatly admire and we look up to. Kate Gallier has been a fitness trainer and coach for 18 years, working first in a commercial gym setting, then opening her own facility in the suburbs of Chicago for a number of years before moving her entire coaching practice online and subsequently moving to Utah to become more active in the outdoors. Her online writing and coaching programs can be found at Fit for Real Life and The Unbreakable Body. She now lives in Salt Lake City, Utah, where we had dinner with her, and where she puts her own unbreakable body to use moving through the mountains and nature regularly, and she hopes to encourage more folks to connect to nature in whatever suits them best. I love that. It's true. I want people to do it in whatever way suits them best, whether that's around the neighborhood, or in their garden or on top of a peak. But yeah. I, I remember talking to you when you moved. I remember we talked, we were, I don't know, a long time ago when you moved from Chicago to Utah to just live the life you wanted to live. And I found that to be so incredibly inspiring because you become the role model for what you teach. And you really live your message. And I thought, man, one day we're going to do that. And uh, we just did that three weeks ago. So I'm so happy that um, we got to follow some, somewhat in your footsteps. Oh, thank you. It was, it was the most important thing I've ever done to, to follow that little voice in my head or heart or soul or all three of those things, most likely. It was the most important thing I've ever done. And um, I'm so thrilled for you two to be doing that as well. And uh, just love seeing your journey unfold as well. Thank you. So we invited you because this month in our membership community, we've dedicated all of our content to getting outdoors. And really summer is coming. Um, we don't have that many members in the Southern Hemisphere. I always feel really bad for them. I'm like, sorry, just you know, get rid of the, get rid of the cumin for this recipe because it's not really the right one for this season. Uh, but, you know, we mostly cater to most of our uh, students are in the Northern Hemisphere and summer's coming. And we're really wanting to inspire people to get out and enjoy the outdoors, even if that's not their default setting. Because I feel like that's something that if you didn't grow up that way, you can probably grow to like it because this biophilia is like a natural part of us so you were of course the first person I thought of that 
could just be the the spark to ignite that desire in in June. So please tell us a little bit about your work and what does a, a day in the life of, of Kate look like? Um, well, thank you for thinking of me with that. And I, I'm thrilled and honored in part because I love nature so much uh, myself, but also I went through that transition that you're talking about, like learning to love things and figure it out. And we'll, I'm sure talk more about all of that. Uh, so thank you. I'm like so honored to get to share more about all of this with you and your community today. Um, but you asked first about my work and what my work is like and my typical day is like. So since moving to Salt Lake City, uh, my work is entirely online. Uh, and I, what I do online is write and coach and teach and create programs and work on things like books that might get done someday um, that all help people really create a body that they love to live in. Like they just love to live in their body. And of course, you know, a lot of my stuff is centers around this notion of being unbreakable, being able to handle anything, any adventure that life throws your way. And sometimes those adventures are things you choose like a sport or a, a gardening endeavor. And sometimes those adventures are things you did not choose, like tough stuff that happens, tough life situations or unexpected aches or injuries or things that kind of hamstring you from what you want to be able to do. Everything I do and teach is centered around helping people build their body and mind to be really uh, capable of handling all of those adventures that come our way and really staying unbreakable as we navigate through those, really having this sense of I'm capable. Nothing will stop me. It might make me have to take a left turn, but I know I'll be able to find that navigation through there. So with that, for me, a typical day, especially lately, has meant getting up early. Uh, well, early for me, I get up around 5.30, depending on the day, um, and uh, immediately start with coffee and movement and a Tara Brock meditation, a spoken meditation or a lesson, because um, that helps me get my mind right for the day. And really, if I can do that, the rest of my day starts to shape up nicely because I don't know about you or anyone else, but the mind viruses that live in this noggin of mine can be really, really detracting from me living successfully in any way. It can detract from my attention to my work, my relationships, my relationship to exercise and movement and time scheduling to like make time to go do the things I like, oh, but I don't deserve those things. Like those mind viruses can really mess with all of that stuff. So I start the day there and uh, after breakfast, and it's time to get into my creative work. So it's like blogging or writings of some kind or creating videos uh, or editing client programming to get them ready for their next thing that they're going to do. And then I try to take a break late morning to go do my, whether it's going to be exercise or sport or my focused like training time. Because um, that's that point right where if I can kind of bridge that, that natural drop off in creative energy I have late morning. If I can bridge that into the afternoon, it goes a bit better for me. There are days, though, where I won't do that, especially in the summer. I'll just kind of keep working right on through. And that's on those days where I really want to strive to get outdoors somehow for a chunk of the afternoon or early evening. Uh, in which case, to me, that's like a worthy trade-off to be like, well, I'm going to just work right into lunch, kind of keep working during lunch. Uh, but... I can get out the door for like the rest of the afternoon to go on a hike or to go just do something fun uh, outside. 
And then it comes time to cook dinner and I really have a great enjoyment for cooking and being creative in the kitchen. And, um, and I'm really tired by about 8.30 and I'm ready to go to bed. <laughs> I can imagine. You would make such an easy visitor for us because we have such a similar schedule. <laughs> we just wake up at the same time, adventure on the same time, and then we'll cook for you. <laughs> Perfect. Wonderful. Yes, your cooking I've seen is, looks delicious. Yeah, well, it, it, I hope it tastes as good as it looks. <laughs> pretty good yeah thank you for sharing it's always kind of interesting to because we can only imagine how somebody else lives it's always interesting to kind of get in there and see it from your eyes yeah I would say thank you and one of the things when I was thinking about that question that came to my mind was um even in the winter when it's kind of crummy out and it's the outdoor activity is not as accessible. It's not like you can just go for a walk. Like here in Utah, if I want to ski, I need to go drive up the canyon and go to the resort and do the gear and the whole thing. Um, and same would be if I wanted to ice skate or sled or anything else. You got to drive. You can't just like walk out the door and go do that where I live. Um, but every day for me, and as I'm thinking of the week schedule and the day schedule, is like, when am I going to get outside? How am I going to schedule the day so I can get a five minute walk in or an hour something or another or a multi-hour adventure i'm gonna go foraging later this week how can i arrange my schedule to make that happen because when i don't do that and i don't have blocked out times to get outdoors on an on a consistent basis my emotional and mental health is nowhere near as wonderful as i would like it to be so that's a priority sounds pretty good Sounds important. Mm -hmm. She's the same way. I'm, I, I literally have like this indoor look on my face. That's like, it's like you, I, I can only compare it to like when you haven't showered because you're in some environment that doesn't have that ability and you just really need to take a shower like right now. <laughs> So it's like, just get like that indoor thing, just like get it off of me. And, and sometimes I'll get, I'll just, it'll just get so intense that um, I'm not very nice. So I just get out and we're very lucky that there's a couple of, of trails we very quickly found close to our home where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm there. <laughs> Freedom. I love that. It's great to learn that about yourself because mm -hmm. otherwise you're just not very nice and you don't really know why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm the same. I mean, I, I feel like I'm the same way, but like, I don't necessarily need to get out to the woods. Like if there was woods right here, I would go to them, but I just want to get outside. And if there was like a, like the, if downtown was right here, I would be happy to walk up and down downtown as I would outdoors. Yeah. I mean, out in the, out in the woods. But you grew up more in an urban environment and I, ah, it's like this. Yeah. So, yeah. You grew up out in the country. Yep, closer. Country girl, very boy. It's like one of those romance novels. I know you should write about it. Okay, take the next question. Well, speaking of growing up, how did you grow up? And do you think how do you think it influenced your connection with nature? Um, so yeah, as you were just saying, like with city and country, I grew up in a rural. It wasn't even a city. It was like an unincorporated something or another. 
and like there was nothing out there just us and we lived on a couple acres my parents had a small mini large garden mini version of a farm kind of thing it was like super tiny for what you would think in terms of like a giant garden but it was enough that we were out there working all the time on the garden um and uh rural enough there were no play friends to go out and you know kids to go play with or anything like that so it was me playing imagination by myself out i'm an only child so playing by myself out in the yard and coming up with games and going out with my dad and doing a lot of things outside um and enjoying all of that um like getting sweaty outside I liked helping mowing the lawn and climbing trees and shooting the BB gun and all these kinds of things. Um, and that was most of my, it was all of my childhood until we, um, until I went away to college. Um, but interestingly, I remember at some point growing up starting to like, not like sweating as much or like wanting to do more indoor, not prim and proper kind of things but like let me just not have to deal with stuff that makes me have to like take a shower afterwards <laughs> I remember starting to get a little like that and I don't really know why but that kind of persisted for a little while and um and then a, in college and adulthood set in and I really was not in a rural setting anytime again after that or a country setting or a woodsy setting or anything like that um until I moved here. And interestingly enough, like the, the couple of years before I moved here to Salt Lake City, Utah, um, I, I was starting to think about going walking mainly because I was hearing about how leisure walking is good for your stress levels and your body composition and your mind and podcasts were becoming a thing. So I was like, oh, I could walk and listen to a podcast. Okay. But I would just walk the neighborhood and like figure out how to dress for the weather, you know, because there's no bad weather, just bad attire choices and figure all that stuff out. Uh, but it was in no way this major outdoorsy person. I just knew I was unfulfilled while I was in Chicago. I was like really starting to get this achy, gross feeling. Um, and getting out here to Utah started to reconnect me to that childhood, that, that sense of like, go get sweaty, go do a bunch of stuff, spend the whole day romping around outside, find people like that who can teach you things, who you can teach things, you can have adventures with, um, and fishing and all of that. So it's been very interesting the last few years to start to put my adulthood together with the childhood experience I had had, um, with that big gap that had been in the middle that, that is almost like, oh, interesting. I chose that for a while. Now I choose this. Both were great, but I'm really glad to be in this phase of the, the journey now and kind of circling around to what my childhood was more like. I can so relate to that and it just sounds like a like a full circle yeah and coming back to these more organic calls um and it's almost like it's easy to feel it again when you have felt it before mm -hmm. and I'm very curious as kind of a fellow movement teacher um you know like I started as a personal trainer in this very um kind of regimented and very a corralled way of teaching movement like here's your sets and your reps and here's your form and let's make sure you don't drop a kettlebell on your head like it has very straight lines and I'm wondering like I know how in the beginning it was kind of hard for me 10 years ago starting to teach restorative exercise and nutritious movement how do I teach people that this is actually 
not what I've been teaching, but how do I take them out and start teaching them about the real world out there and, and natural human movement? I'm wondering how did that happen for you? What drove the change towards natural movement for you and getting people out? Well, are, are you sure we're not the same person? Because my initial experience was <laughs> when I first became a trainer uh, during college and was getting my um, degree in exercise science. It was very much like that. You learn the reps, the sets, the muscles, the weights. You do this to gain and this to lose and so on. And osteoporosis and all the different things that you can work on. So on and so forth. And I was into it because in high school for sports, they let you go in the weight room get strong and you're like oh cool and there weren't many girls who did it back then so you were like oh cool we get to go in the weight room that's neat um so there was that kind of initial excitement that kind of carried me through my first year or two of being a trainer um of doing that very boxed in kind of style of fitness but very quickly i realized i didn't care at all about someone's desire to look a certain way or uh, be able to lift a certain amount of weight. I mean, I'm happy for them if that's their goal they want to achieve, but I don't have any special interest in that or desire um, or deep passion to work on that with them. I have this passion to help people feel their best and go do cool things and still do cool things now that they're older and they used to do cool things and now they're getting back in the cool things that they love to do and started attracting clients like that. These folks who were all 50 and up who were like, I want to hike Kilimanjaro or I want to go to Camelback and do a bunch of hikes with my daughter or uh, I'm so-and-so dude who's retiring now and he's like, that's a bucket list of really cool adventures he wants to go on. Um, and all these different types of folks who were like doing stuff with their body. And it was the first moment that I started to go, I like helping people do cool things and feel great. That's what lights me up the most. There are people who like to do cool things and feel great. I should work with those people. That would be fantastic. And doing that work became more and more enriching and fulfilling and really just um, funneled me into everything I do today. Like I said, when we first started, helping people really feel like they can create a body they love living in. And when you love living in your home, your body, your life, you're more open and receptive to things that can arise, adventures that can come up, both, as I said, positive and kind of seemingly negative ones too. You can handle all that stuff better. And when I was living in Chicago in that last year or two before I left, that was part of that discord I was feeling. Like work was great. The clients were great. The cafes near my home were great. My home was great, but nothing about what was going on inside of me felt fulfilled or complete or aligned. And I didn't even know that I needed to be like my clients who were like going and having these adventures. I just knew where I was, was not okay. There was no fulfilling adventure happening for me. And on a whim, I had two friends out in Salt Lake and I saw their life on Facebook and their pictures and was like, Oh, that looks cool. I think I'll give that a try. And then all of a sudden, this whole thing happened. So anyways, that was a roundabout way to go through a lot of these different conversations. But um, that's how that transition happened for me. I love if people want to change their physique or their strength levels or be the winner of the whatever gym competition they're attending. 
but I love even more when people want to just go have an awesome adventure with their body and have their body hold up for them. That's amazing. It's so great because I, I don't know, like I, it was hard for me because my, my drive, like I'm, I'm an empath. So for me, it was, Oh, people are suffering. I want to help people suffer less. So if their suffering was that they were overweight or that, you know, something was flabby or whatever, I was like, I'll help you suffer less by becoming <laughs> less flabby, right? If this is your suffering. But then very quickly, I just felt like it was getting us nowhere. And I couldn't, because I was so young and didn't have experience in my 20s, I couldn't quite dis decide what, what was wrong. And so it took such a long time. And I found if I worked with pregnant women, I didn't feel that. So I worked extensively with pregnant women for many years because it felt like, oh, at least I know what we're doing here. <laughs> you know, we're preparing for this big athletic event. The athletic event comes in and we recover from the athletic event. And there's another human being or two at the end of it. Um, but then when I came to natural movement, it was like, oh, that's why this felt so weird. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing to see that it can take decades to figure that out. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think even as the individual, that can take decades to start really putting the pieces together in a way that you at one point go, oh, now this is making more sense. Like if somebody can do more and a, and a, uh, a side effect of that is their body composition changes radical that's so awesome but also if they can do more and it doesn't change also radical as long as you can do things that you love that like let you feel fulfilled that is the greatest thing in the world in my opinion yeah and you know i feel like that fulfillment and touching that aliveness cannot be taken away by anything whereas things like um body composition they're so finicky like all it takes is you get god forbid you get a virus or you get sick or you know something happens that just goes away or you become allergic to your favorite thing that was keeping you lean or whatever or you travel or things happen and gets taken away and this joy that you feel and that sense of aliveness that becomes a part of yourself that never gets taken away that's a great point. Really great point. Yeah. So important. So important. So thank you. Thank you for being a, like a mirror and a sounding board. I sometimes feel like, I, I feel like crazy because I talk to myself about these things all the time. And it's like, <laughs> it's nice. Crazy. It's nice to see I'm not alone. And Roland <laughs> is my husband. Like he just has to listen to it, you know? Hey, when we're not podcasting, we are creating content on our website at eatmovelive52.com where you can find our programs, courses, and several books. If you've never been there before, make sure that you go to eatmovelive52.com slash podcast guest, get your free gift and find out how you can work with us. We coach people one-on-one -on -one and in groups and we would love to gift you a complimentary 30-minute discovery session. So if you're interested, come on, eatmovelive52.com slash podcast guest and work with us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So Kate, you help thousands of people. I see it, right? And I know there's a lot of other stuff behind the scenes. What do people who learn with you need the most? And where do you feel 
this nature deficit has influenced their bodies? Mm, those are great questions. Well, I think my people that I work with are the best ones to decide what they need the most. So I won't try to impose my, my belief about their needs on them. But from the outside looking in on thousands of different folks I've talked with over the years and worked with, um, the confidence to know that they are excellent caretakers of their body because society really makes it so that you don't think you are an excellent caretaker of your body, that someone else surely is a better caretaker of your body than you are. And when you develop that deep knowing within yourself that you can handle it, that you can take care of it, that you have got this, that it's not about to slip out of your grasp, that empowerment, like, wow, when you can settle into that, all things are possible. Even if something unexpected arises, you now have the capability to do all things. Um, I don't know if my clients would say that when they first start very often, they would say, Oh, my hamstrings are really tight. I know I need mobility work, you know, which might be true, but a part of our learning for whatever, you know, their mobility training they might need is, is them learning the tools to know what they need and to know how to give it to themselves and how to listen to those, uh, responses that their body is always giving them. Because I think a nature influences this. When we live in that an urban, boxed in, indoor environment, it's really like light switches and things like that, that you know, it's all artificial. Um, you can lose that, that connection to that deep sense of knowing. And um, a great way to, to kind of example this here is when you do go outside, uh, and this could happen indoors too, but outdoors is a great example. You can feel it if there's an animal nearby. You can sense it. And for folks who live in urban environments, you may not have that. Um, a, another example that like in a park, maybe there aren't wild animals walking around, is uh, that calmness that you feel when the birds are chirping and the rabbit happens to hop by or the crow is calling or something like that. Or the wind is blowing and the, and the leaves and the tree just right. You sense that calm, you sense that connection and whatever kind of connection it is, whether it's a higher alert, like, Oh, there's a moose over there. Oh, okay. Or there's birds chirping. Wow. That's yes. I relate to that. That sense of connection can really disappear when we live in an artificial environment and that connection to self is a part of that. Um, and so when I'm working with folks, our, our talk with the goals and with the work is around like, what can you do with your body now that you couldn't do four weeks ago? What adventures are you taking your unbreakable body on? Where are you going to have some sort of experience with yourself? And that, that might be for some of my folks, they are urban, they don't wanna go hiking or do anything like that, um, but they go to the park and they listen to the birds, you know? Or um, they get out and take a walk on, their lunch break and it's only five minutes and it's in a campus setting with lots of great big tall buildings but it's still outdoors but they notice a flower they just notice something and it's that connecting that i think really adds this nice helpful layer to that process of learning that you do have this connection to self and that that is what helps you be an excellent caretaker of your body and know that you are the best at that job that just makes me smile <laughs> i I'm so happy to hear 
that this connection with nature that we lose because we are a part of nature, we go with it. And, you know, even if we go to meal times where somebody else makes our food, like, I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to order all my foods frozen for the next month, you know, like this, this is further disconnecting us. It's like, there's this drive to health and reconnection and the way society, like you spoke about in the beginning, the way society conditions us is no, you can't do this. Somebody else has to do it and package it for you because you're too busy. You have to live your life over here. So we have the healthy life and the productive life being separate. And what I'm hearing you say is no, they're not separate. And you have to put yourself back in your nature shoes in order to reconnect with yourself. 100%. And thank you for summarizing that so perfectly. Um, and a great example of that is, um, like I always say, whatever nature means to someone just to go out and do it. You don't have to be doing the things that I'm out doing or that you see someone like, you know, the Alex Honnold, the climber who climbs without ropes. You don't have to be doing this like crazy stuff. Um, <laughs> but we have this. So glad um, you said I don't have to do that. Yeah, no, you don't. I mean, <laughs> you could. No, please don't. That's terrifying. Um, you don't have to pick up snakes. <laughs> exactly. But we have this um, ability to handle ourselves outdoors that has been dimmed in modern society. For example, uh, maybe you guys got to do this. Um, when I was a kid, you could just take your bike out and just go. And you just had to be back by dinner. Mm -hmm. No GPS, no Google, no nothing. You just rode around the neighborhood or around, like if I went to my friend's house, they lived in a more of a uh, city style neighborhood. We could ride to this restaurant and grab a milkshake and ride over here to the gas station to get some candy and then probably have a stomach ache and go to the beach and whatever. And you did it without all of these devices and tools and external things that helped you. And in modern times, like now, even that when that wasn't that long ago, um, and, and prior to that, people had even better sense than that. Now we, we find we can't go anywhere without the All Trails app running while we're on the, the trail walking and the All Trails app is telling you where to go instead of you just tuning in to your senses. We have someone traveling to a new city and instead of going, okay, cool, my hotel's here, train station's there, cool, I'm gonna go exploring. Don't care if I don't have data on my phone because I'm not gonna look at my Google Maps. Anyways, and, and instead being utterly reliant on it and missing the experience of learning your way and navigating and finding your path and having the experience even of being like, uh-oh, did I make a wrong turn? no, wait, okay, does this look familiar? Do I remember this part of the park or the forest or the city or wherever I'm at? Getting to have that experience, that little test of I'm a little uncomfortable. Can I figure this out? I know I can figure this out or I can't. What do I do if I can't figure it out? And not panicking, you know? We've lost some of that in modern life. And if we can restore some of that and restore, as you said, uh, some of that, like knowing that we have the ability to sort ourselves out and handle our directions and our place and our, our way that we exist without needing a device to do it all for us. Um, that's truly empowering. And I think it's quite important to feel empowered. When it, um, and it's like a true empowering. It's like, I know that I can and I can versus I know that I can if I have my data and if 
this device is available to me. And I had this experience in Northern Ireland last year without anything. And it was amazing. And I felt so rested, so rested. It was like several days without data. I was like, ah, mm -hmm. and without like a superset schedule or, or anything like that. And it was just wonderful. It was wonderful waiting to come home to get on my computer to do what I need to do. And then I didn't need to be connected anymore. Um, it, it just feels free. I don't know what else to say other than it feels free. It's like true freedom. Truly. And I can understand why someone would hear us talk about that and think, no way, that sounds horrific and terrible. Because when we've been so conditioned to rely on something, it is um, alarming to think mm -hmm. about not relying on that anymore. But the times that I've gone out, which is like all the time, because I don't have data in our canyon, so I wouldn't even try to track myself anyways. But you know, you learn to do things like tell people where you're going, tell them what you're wearing, learn your limits. Like when we teach about like with kids and playtime and letting them have a little bit of um, danger so that they can understand fear and risk and all, all these things. Um, letting yourself learn where is my risk tolerance how far can i go before i say you know what if i go any further i might be more tired than i thought when i come back and i don't want that to happen because i'm a little i'm it's a, a little bit of a hike back from wherever i'm coming from or you know i'm getting closer to the edge of the city i don't feel as comfortable about this environment or this neighborhood or my surroundings i'm going to turn here and head this other direction Getting the chance to practice that is vitally important for you to feel empowered in all the decisions in your life. Totally. Absolutely. It has huge carryover, huge carryover. So one of our questions to you that I sent you earlier, I was very curious about was the kinds of clients that we get usually are dealing with some sort of pain or injury, like pain and unhealth is a great motivator. Like a lot of people, what motivates them is pain avoidance, right? I just want to make sure that, I heal my pain and then I can do this other thing. Do you find that um, clients come to you with, with some aches and pains and that nature can help them? Great question. And uh, yeah, my clients sound somewhat similar to yours. Um, they were going along hunky-dory doing whatever they do, but some ache or injury has now sidelined them or uh, slowed them down. And mainly when they first arrive, they would really just like to eliminate, as you said, like, just let's just get out of the pain. And then I can go back to what I was doing. And my goal always is to get them in a little bit deeper into the spider web to maybe rethink how they were doing it before and come at it with a new approach so that they can have this greater experience of not just falling back into like running tons of miles or uh, working so hard they don't take care of their health or you know these things that you know modern life really makes it easy to do um and so if we can go into a bit deeper of the like what kind of adventure are you going to have what would you like to do that you've never done now that your shoulder works better and it doesn't cause you pain anymore what else would you like to try and opening up these open-ended questions so that they can start exploring things um, and I do with my folks, that's why I try to say like, whatever nature looks like to you, please go explore it. One of the things I've been using the last couple of months talking with my Unbreakable Body members has been um, the leisure walking. Now that summer is arriving finally, and it's not quite so uh, difficult to walk through the snow and the ice. 
is walk until you notice something. Get out and start noticing something. Walk with no purpose other than I'm going to keep going until I notice something. And maybe in five minutes you notice, oh, wow, look at the way those buds are starting to form on that tree. Or, whoa, the sky is really blue today. That's amazing. Look at how it looks with the clouds and the trees. Uh, but that little starting point, and, and some of my folks are kind of high-end, type-A style athletes who like to do all kinds of crazy things. For them, it's, it's the same thing, though. It's like, cool, now that you're going to go back and start trail running again, notice things. Tune into your body. Notice what you're seeing. Don't just, like, pound the miles out because that's what the type-A personality in you wants to do, right? Because you're on Strava, the little tracking app. Your training buddy, he did 20 miles this week, so you're going to do 20 as well because that's disconnected, right? That's external motivation and influence. And it's okay to be competitive every now and again, but really it's much more advantageous for what you're going to get out of it to be tuned into yourself than anything else. And again, to tune in, notice nature because you're a part of that. And so that's what I try to give my folks, whether they're regular humans who are just trying to live a happy existence, pain-free, uh, or, or people who want that, plus like a million crazy adventure sport goals, uh, and everybody in between those two, I'm thinking about, can we notice nature more and get you out doing something like leisure walking or leisure running, noticing nature, and thus noticing yourself? I love that. We've been doing like mega noticing in the last three weeks because everything is new. I love that. So it's like, oh my God, prairie dogs, because they're, they're protected here. Yeah. And they're hysterical and they're everywhere. Um, and all these different birds that we've never a seen. A million before. birds we've never seen before. We have flowers that are different. We had a fox the other day in front of Roland's window. That's so cool. And, and it's just, we had a black uh, barking squirrel on in the, in the tree in the backyard. Not, not the real name. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> she's like, it was, it was barking. And it was black. It looked like a tiny don't bear. Don't Google that because that's not a thing. <laughs> black barking squirrel. Yeah. And we, uh, the noticing thing is a lifetime practice because oh. you'll see the same thing for years and you'll see it in a new way or a new season mm -hmm. or a slightly different season or a slightly different set of eyes because your perspective on life has changed ever so slightly or your mood has changed or your attitude or your energy has changed. And so it really is a lifelong skill or game whatever you want to see it as that you can use because if you let yourself notice things you will always notice something new and wonderful and different or identical to what you saw before you're like wow it's like that again that's amazing and you can have wonder from that in our last city where we lived the there were i don't know who made these things but there was this movement to make to paint these little rocks with little messages and then hide them out in like the parks and the neighborhoods and the wilderness, like just sort of like subtly like under bushes. So like as soon as I started noticing those and it's like became sort of like a little game. And then I went back to like my childhood. And I think a lot of kids used to do this. Like they would find something that's literally a piece of junk on the ground and then pick it up and put it in their pocket. Oh, it's like a washer or it's like a nut and a bolt. Oh, I can screw them together. I'm going to save this. Like, why would you save this thing? But, or a weird shaped rock. And I just went back to like, when I was a kid, I would collect these and I had like this whole bucket that I would just come home and I would just throw all the stuff in there. And uh, the last couple of years, <laughs> I have an embarrassingly large <laughs> collection of junk. That we moved from Southern California. Yes, I have it. I, 
Yeah. It's well, I can me. relate. Just little things, things that I could put in my pocket. Yeah, I um, became like a little game. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't set out with the intent to do this for nature. This was one of more of the practices I did with um, like financial abundance. I was working on the last few years and just kind of rechanging, rewriting the mind scripts I have about finances. Um, but I, I recalled being like, you know, I'm not someone who just finds money on the ground. I hear about people who just find money on the ground and pennies or a dollar or a nickel. I never find that. And so as I was starting to write, rewrite my money scripts, I was like, I am someone who finds money on the ground. Well, granted, I, that's not going to make you wealthy, okay? And it was someone's money. So if they're around, I'm going to try to find it and give it to them. But can I tell you, I not, that started me being more aware. And I started finding pennies on the ground everywhere. I found dollars last week. I found nickels. Like, it's a, it's hilarious at this point because I'll, I'll text Josh, my partner, and be like, found another penny. And it's all has to do with, I mean, maybe the universe is delivering pennies to my path, but more so I'm paying more attention and being more tuned in to looking around and noticing my surroundings. And then when you do that, you realize a lot of people drop a lot of change. <laughs> and a lot of scrunchies. Yeah. And scrunchies. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've walked sometimes. I used to have short hair for such a long time and now that it's longer, I'd be walking to the gym and I would, I would lose my scrunchie. And I'm like, oh, there's plenty of scrunchies in the gym parking lot. I'll be fine. Free range scrunchies. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be totally fine. Yeah. Hey, Roland found the keychain the other day. It turned out to be a scrunchie. But anyway. I thought it was one of those, you know, those like little spirally things that looks like a bracelet that they oh, say yeah. keeps bugs away. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I thought it was one of those. Scrunchie um, said it's a scrunchie. Okay. I've never seen a plastic scrunchie before. So. There's one in my hair right now. They're harder to lose. So back from scrunchies to uh, hunting and skiing and climbing, you are a large-scale mover. Like for most people, stretching their hamstrings when they come home from work and kicking off their heels can be movement. And for you, you climb, you ski, you hike, you hunt recently, which is totally badass and uh in intimidating i'm like never never piss kate off i'm gonna hunt you well <laughs> try not to piss her off and uh it, it's just it seems so large it seems large almost like when you look at a professional athlete it's like wow that's large but i can i can feel how in my own heart it's like well i kind of wish i could do that like instead of just going to an indoor climbing gym for an hour and a half maybe i can go out in nature and climb there especially now that we're in colorado and it's like Everyone's climbing everywhere. It's like these people are just stopped on the street and they're climbing and their dogs just sitting or looking at them. Um, so what do you say to somebody who would like to take it to the next level, but feels, I personally feel intimidated by large feats? I can understand that completely because I came from that as well. And thank you for the compliment. I, I like any endeavor, you learn things. And the more you learn, you realize you have so far to go. You have so much to learn right? And that beginner's mind is always there. Um, I was the same. I just walked in neighborhoods before I moved to Utah, like around the block a million times. And then I got here and we're at 4,500 feet of elevation right off the bat. So a two block walk would like cripple me for the rest of the day. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't, my legs, I couldn't handle it. It was, it was everything in Salt Lake is hilly and it was, whew, it was a lot. And so my walking started with just trying to walk in the neighborhood 
and, and my climbing started at the climbing gym going, I can't even do the easiest ones here because easy out here is much harder than easy back in the Midwest. And <laughs> I have to start at the beginning, the very beginning. And I didn't ski at all. And I didn't sh like hunt or shoot bows or anything like that. Um, I just saw it. I was like, that'd be cool someday, but it seems like a lot to learn. And slowly would start saying, okay, well, what are some of the trails near my home that um, are safe, that are big, that are really easy to understand? You can't get lost. Let me go walk those. And I did that for a year plus. And then it started being like, cool, okay, okay, I'm like learning about my surroundings. I'm learning about myself. I'm developing that understanding that I can handle certain things and what I can't handle. Let me try the next step. That would be going on a longer trail that maybe um, is direct and straightforward, but um, you know, there's no water. So you're gonna have to make sure you bring your snacks and your water and all these things. And you think about the time of day and the temperature so that you wear clothing and proper footwear. And then that would go on. I'd go, okay, cool. I gathered experience with that. And what's next? Well, there's a lot of peaks. Um, I see people hike to the top of them. That would be interesting and looks very challenging. All right, let me pick a few of those and practice on those and practice being able to go up them and read about what it takes to go to the top and to come back down and safety and all of these things. And do I need trekking poles? Do I not? When do I use them? And that is how I continued to expand. So the comfort level expanded, which means, you know, they always say the good stuff happens right outside your comfort zone. That edge of the comfort zone always kept expanding. So I kept going, well, what's the next thing? Well, the next thing looks, I mean, I've snowshoed now, looks like skiing is the next thing. Okay, what's the next thing after that? Telemark skiing. Okay, what's the next thing after that? Walking uphill with the, uh, you know, special equipment so that you can do backcountry stuff and learn about how to take care of yourself in the backcountry when you're not at a ski resort. And then hunting started to come along with that as well. So really, um, it has taken four or five years to, which I know it doesn't sound very long, like folks here in Utah who've done it forever, I'm like, God, I have no knowledge compared to you. And they're like, well, yeah, we've done this for 20 years. You haven't. And I go, oh, yeah. Okay. I don't have to know as much as you know. Yeah. I can try. My little ego is like, I want to know more than you. I want to be really good at this. So I'm not holding us back. But I'll never have the same knowledge that someone who's done it for 20 years has. But I do have my knowledge from experience, from practicing and expanding the comfort zone. So when someone's new and starting up, I say, if you're open to trying like a little bit of something new, that could be like, okay, well, I normally walk down the street to the mailboxes and back today. I'm going to go the other direction and try to make it all the way around to the mailboxes from the other side. It can be as simple as that, you know, and even simpler for where, depending on where someone is starting from. Does that make sense? Totally. When, when it goes, when it comes to climbing, that's like something that I'm super interested in because, you know, we've done the indoor climbing where you're harnessed and protected and some indoor bouldering where, you know, you can fall on the nice cushy stuff. Uh, but as somebody who's terrified of heights, it's been very therapeutic for me, mm. but I recently went with a friend who's super terrified of heights, terrified of flying. And she turned 50 and she was like, I need to do something scary. Will you go climbing with me? And I was like, sure. So we went indoor climbing together and she was like, this is so much nicer than I thought it would be. And it was so easy for her. And it almost felt like in her mind, she had this idea that it would be impossible. And because she was harnessed and she felt safe and she felt taken care of, 
she could do it. And now she's like, I can do this. I can do this after work once a week for an hour. And it seems doable. So sometimes maybe in our heads, it gets so big that you should be super athletic and she's not, but she was totally capable of doing it. And she, she kicked ass. It was awesome. I love that. And I, I feel like it's just that exposure to have somebody with you who will be your teacher, who will guide you and who expose you to the thing you're afraid of. And I remember when I was learning to do cartwheels, like it just took somebody to say, you know, I'll be with you and we'll just do a lot of them and it'll get easier and easier. It was the same with handstands, just a good teacher to just hold you is so important. And it seems to me like you have sought out those people to support you and help you to be your people. Because it doesn't sound like you just did it all on your own or did you do it all on your own. I did do most of the actual outdoor stuff on my own. But what you're talking about, I have had a few friends who lived here who were like, okay, so, hey, you can do this. Just remember a couple of things. So when we would have coffee or have lunch or have a meal together, uh, we would talk about it. I just asked so many questions because I was like, okay, they, they've done something like this. But interestingly, no one was ever able to go on the same schedule as I was. So only in the last year or so, year and a half or so, have I had a partner, brought like a consistent steady partner to teach me things and learn together. But um, I think that is a testament to if you want to explore in any way, if it's possible to do something new, know that you can have the confidence to go and explore and try that something new. I will say, I agree, like, it, it can be as simple as, like, follow someone online with their blog or their website or whatever who does these things and read their experiences. And, and maybe you have a friend who does them, so you can ask them questions. And if you're lucky enough to have a friend or a mentor go with you, thank your lucky stars, because that is the greatest gift that you can have as a mentor to teach you really hands-on while you're out there. And really think a lot of blessings for that person who's willing to do that with you because um, that's not always an option. But if it's not an option, it's okay. You can mentor yourself by reading and learning and being um, tentative, like safely tentative, so that you can test those boundaries. Like a kid who's playing on the playground and mom's not looking and they're trying new things and might fall off. Yeah. But you know, they'll be okay. And the same will be true for us. We'll be okay. I talked to my dad today and uh, we've always gone outside gathering together. And he's like, man, three weeks. Have you been to see the mushrooms yet? He's like three weeks in a new place and you haven't found the mushrooms. So I was like, we have to get a foraging guide. He was like, just get out and find the mushrooms. You see all sorts of mushrooms, but they could be like instant death for all I know. Guys, like you said, you know, you gotta get a guide. I come from that as well. I'm like, well, no, you got to be safe. You got to practice. You got to do this. You got to do that first. You really got to like follow all the rules. You got to make sure you're ready before you do it. Yeah. But sometimes you need to just get out there and like, yeah. just go and you won't have the right footwear or you won't have figured it out perfectly. And you'll be like, Oh, okay. Well, that's the lesson learned. Like they always say, like, um, what is that old saying about like, um, having like, um, Wisdom comes from having experience and having experience comes from doing things wrong. Something yep. like that. Yep. Yep. Well part said. Of, what's that? Well said. Oh, <laughs> thank you. But part of that is really sometimes going out and being like, I'm going. And then coming back and like, well, I made a mistake. I'm not going to do that again. 
I've done that plenty of times in the outdoors. I've made a few mistakes that I'm like, you are boneheaded, Kate. Like that was dumb. But then you learn and you go, ah, now I, now I have better eyes with which to see. Yeah. There's a river canyon where I grew up uh, where I never go on the right side of it anymore. Because when I was in high school, I took my whole class there on a hike and uh, it rained. And then we couldn't get back because the, the river got full and the passing got flooded. And I went hiking there last summer when I was back home and I was with a friend who's a very experienced hiker. And he was like, let's cross over to the right. I was like, I don't go to the right. <laughs> We're just going to keep staying on the left because I've paid, I've paid the price of going on the right once in my life. I'm not gonna do it again. Well, and that's going back to what you were saying earlier. That is that knowing that you know what is best for yourself. Even if someone else is like, oh, it's fine. Come on. It'll be great. Nothing will happen. And they might be right. But the point of like being an excellent caretaker of your body is knowing that you know what's right for you, even if all the other people are like, eh, it's fine. It's fine. You're fine. It'll be fine. If your gut and your heart is like, I just don't. I've made that choice for me. I'm good with how I feel with that choice. Then nothing can shake you. And you do not have to feel, uh, you know, swayed to do yeah. what someone else is saying to do. Totally. Mm. Totally. I love it. This is such a good thing to pass on to young people. And like, if I, like as a teenager, I would have loved having somebody teach me that, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think nature can teach you that. First yeah, thing. nature can teach you a lot of really good ways to like make a mistake and learn from it and not go <laughs> out. Um, I, I'm not sure if I would have listened when I was a teenager. I was very much like, well, if everybody else is doing it, that's not like, my mom was routinely like, what, if everybody else jumped off a bridge, you would too? And a part of me was like, I mean, I might, because like oh, everything looks really fun, and if other people are doing it, why not? But <laughs> nonetheless, you would learn. Are something. they surfacing? Because if they are, I mean, it totally. <laughs> <end>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we've been talking a lot in our community about um, getting outside and the benefits—not not just the physical benefits, but the mental benefits, like the mood enhancement. The, like you and I, we just talked about the the noticing things, all that. Have you noticed any benefits to being like, to taking it a little bit further, like camping or even like extended camping, right? So when you're outside, sleeping in the outdoors, getting your circadian rhythms all dialed in, like what kind of things have you experienced or noticed there? Mm. The number one thing I've noticed from going camping on a multi-day adventure, even just an overnight, frankly, um, as the sun is setting and the bugs are coming out and uh, the owls are chirping and doing all of their hooting and doing all of their things and you make a campfire or you don't if it's not fire season and uh, uh, you very quickly drop into going, oh yeah, everything's fine. Like all those things I was worried about that were like that frenetic modern life pace energy, like you got to do it now. You got to answer the email. You got to do the notification. You got to post the thing. You got, you got, the kids need this. The husband needs this. Work needs this. I need that. All of it's really important. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not important at all. And it will all be fine and done at a pace that is more appropriate to where we are really built to thrive, which is a slower pace than what modern life requests of us most of the time. And so whatever extended outings are to folks or, you know, getting out for a little more than just a 10 minute walk. Um, 
for me, that's one of the most beneficial things is that you really quickly reset your uh, levels of, of knowing what's important and refocusing yourself. And for me, it comes across as like a, like that, like that longer exhale that you don't even realize you're not doing till you do it, you know? And when nature can give you that, to me, that is all the health benefits in one. My mood changes, my, I drop more into my parasympathetic nervous system, that calm, rest and digest state of the nervous system. My mind clears, my emotions are more in, more reasonable and in check and aligned with what really matters. And most importantly, I get that reconnection to what matters because that means I can now go home and take my time and allocate it more appropriately. And then I start to realize, oh, you easily get caught back up in a modern life. I need to go outside again. I need to go do another camping thing. And then you just are trying to get it so that you're in this really consistent looping of like, oh yeah, this is what matters. And then modern life happens. And then, oh yeah, I got to get back to what matters. And slowly morph life more into like outdoorsy life where you all the time stay in the flow of natural pace and nature's rhythm and nature's reminders to you of what really matters. That's great. I think the longer you, or the more often, the more regular you can get it, you sort of flatten out those peaks and valleys to where like the ex you start to have fewer extremes or you start to bridge the gap. I mean, use too many metaphors here. Like you start to bridge the gap between the outdoors and the indoors and like it all sort of smooths out and hopefully it goes more towards what you've experienced in the outdoors because that's where we come from, right? We come from that, more that side. We've had a longer hi history with outside in nature than we have had living indoors and with technology. And I really hope that with that, folks get the chance to go out long enough somewhere. And you don't have to be doing like a 10 day backpacking trip. Like it could be like a resort somewhere in the desert, but there's no Wi-Fi, you know, and it's just, it's a bit more primitive, but you still have like a cabin, you know? Um, I really hope folks get to do that because you don't recognize how frenetic modern life is until you go away and come back. I will never forget coming back from our backpacking trip last year and like you come back from the, you know, so we're out camping and then you get back to your car once you're done with the multi days, then you've got this multi hour drive back to Salt Lake city. And as we get into Salt Lake, we get back at about five o'clock in the afternoon. So rush hour, right? So all the cars are on the road and I instantly had this jarring, like, like, like the record scratch uh, of my life going, none of this is right. This is nothing like what we had before. This is, this feels out of alignment with how I feel. And I know how I feel is natural and aligned because I just came from many days of that. This is not that. And so that was a, uh, a prime moment of starting to have some real conversations around how can I avoid rush hour? How can I avoid modern life? How, and not, not do my duties, but like my duties will fit within the natural life that I create not me fitting myself into this modern life that is insanity most of the time. I felt my nervous system instantly ramp, just driving home in the traffic. 
Yeah, you guys are both nodding. You can relate, I'm sure. Yeah, it's almost like you needed to like a some sort of like a decompression chamber, like so you didn't get the bends, right? It's like when you go <laughs> diving and you come up too fast. This was like you were in nature and now you've come out too fast. I like that. And you just get thrown, it's like slapped in the face by traffic. And it's just not yeah. I uh, I taught a retreat in a 17th century village last summer. And when I came back, I could not be next to my computer or my phone for about two days. Mm. The, just the, the, the radiation, the electrical, it was just so overwhelming yeah. to be with it. And you get used to it. Mm. But, um, you know, I, I just feel like unless we retreat in some massive way, often enough, especially those of us that are more sensitive, I think that, you know, there's like, for me, there's no chance of sanity without nature. Mm -hmm. I would agree a hundred percent. There is just no way. I can see the better. I'm thinking of like people who are, who aren't going these weekend retreats or like this backpacking trip, some sort of a, a, a getaway or a vacation. And then people come back. Like I prefer when I go on vacation to have a day with it, to come back and be in my own calm home environment before I go back to work. Mm-hmm. And, but some people are like, oh no, I wanna come at like midnight the night, I'm gonna land at midnight, I'm gonna go to work at five o'clock in the morning. And then they're so hectic and it's like flipping a switch, like in, in a bad way. And it's worth thinking about when you go on a trip or you have this retreat, that how, to re, how are you going to reintroduce yourself to your normal life so it's not, so you don't undo all the good or a significant part of the good or make yourself bitter and angry about like the life you have so you can continue to, you know, you can continue to do better, but you're not, you're not reversing things. Yes. And even in day, as you were speaking that I was like, Oh, I think I actually do that during even my, just like, like tomorrow or whatever day I'm going to go foraging this week. When I finish in the canyons, I finished the hike. It's over now. I'm back to the car. Uh, there's always a creek nearby and I will, before I get all the way to the car, will stop and soak my feet for a few seconds. If it's runoff season and it's freezing cold because it's all the snow melting, or if it's maybe a few minutes, if it's in the middle of the summer and the water is a bit warmer. Um, but that's a moment to just yeah. remember what I've just hiked, kind of take that last moment of enjoyment because I know depending on the time of day too, I might be coming driving out of the Canyon back to where my you know neighborhood is in traffic with stoplights, with road rage, people with all kinds of construction and craziness and insanity that's happening in Salt Lake right now. I may have to deal with that. And I don't want that because I know that feeling where you're like, it's almost like you just wiped out all the wonderful outdoorsy reconnecting time you did because the transition back was, brutal you know and I don't want that when I, and I think it, it's worth talking as we kind of land our discussion we could talk for hours mm. about this foreclosing to parts of ourselves in order to belong to modern life and how can we stay connected to those parts of ourselves that are natural where we thrive and we go to like drink from that deep well of life and then as we come back, that we don't have to foreclose to that to become someone else. So that, that, that costs us so much. In my um, meditation group here locally where we moved, it's very interesting. They do, at the end of practice, 
we come in couples or in triads or in groups of four in order to transition from being inside to being with people. And there's a very intentional practice of when you're done with meditation on your own, because we've practiced for an hour and a half or for three hours, you don't leave like this. We, you come in a safe space with the others as we come out of ourselves to come into connection without foreclosing to what we just found. Mm. So that then it's not jarring as you go home to your family tonight. Yes. And I love that. Yes. I love that. It's beautiful how they do it. I love that. And that transition. Yes. To that transition. Even if you aren't doing um, meditation or an outdoors time or some sort of nature connection time, even just finishing your day transition. Like for me, chopping the vegetables and meats to start with dinner is that transition. And I, um, when I don't have that and it's that like, one chaos into the next chaos, it stays chaos the entire time. It feels totally. the entire time. And uh, so even on non-nature adventure days, having things where you can transition and maybe use some of the nature. Maybe you brought a rock home from your walk in the park. And you get to like just hold the rock for a minute and just sit down and sit on the floor even and maybe rub your feet or um, just sit with yourself for a second or do something that lets your mind uh, find ease. Uh, I will say if folks do get the chance to go anywhere where there's um, like forest and there's pine forest, I don't know that this works with trees that have been planted in landscaping. Cause I don't, I don't try this with those, but um, hike in a forest or walk in a forest with any regularity. If you just pull one little needle, if you can find it on the ground, that's better. But if you, if you can't pull one little needle off a pine tree and break it open and smell it, that smell will stay with you and the smell changes as the season changes. So a pine tree in January will smell different than a pine tree in August. You know this. Yes. I, I eat them. I'm sorry. I, I'm like, I'm like, this smells so good. And then I eat them. That I'm foraging for spruce tips. This week. So <laughs> new, new growth. I'm going to be going to pick up those. We're going to eat them. We're going to cook with them and make some syrup. And uh, mm. I'm going to try a chocolate mousse with spruce tips. It'll be interesting. And maybe a oh, we'll be right over. We'll be right over. <laughs> Well, they have those pine, they had pine cones in Bulgaria. Yeah, right? we have pine cone jam in Bulgaria. I love that. Mm -hmm. But picking up a little something, and not even, even if you don't take it with you, like just a little, like um, rub your hand across a bush and then like smell what the hand, what the bush smells like, or if there's sage, like brush up against it. You can bring that home with you, that memory of the sense and the enjoyment, you can bring that home. And that can be a little touch point when you're in that regular life where you can't get to the forest just yet. You know? I love that. I love that. So last two questions for you as we, as we round up, because I, gosh, I wish this was a one day discussion. Maybe it should be. <laughs> so who and what inspires you these days? It's you, you're one of those people in the world that like, you are the spotlight. You are the, the light that shines on the rest of the world, but who inspires you to shine? Oh goodness. Thank you. That's hard to accept, but thank you. I will. Um, I'm really inspired by the people who I get to work with, who are figuring out how to live a new and better life with what we've talked about the last hour plus. Like to see others going and putting it into practice makes me like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, this is major. 
it's impactful. It's powerful. I'm lucky that I get to do this. Like go outside, teach these values, live these values, train my body, help other people train their body. Um, it's the coolest thing to see someone who's, you know, 50 something go on a, a little through hike, a multi-day through hike with his daughter who's 20. He did it when he was 20. Now he's taking her and be like, oh, whoa, I get to be a part of that. That's so neat. And that, cause I'm not immune. There are plenty of weeks that my work tells me that I should be staying inside to work longer. Mm -hmm. And I have to really reconnect to that. Like, no, I don't. No, I don't. I know what my soul needs. I have got to put the book down, the computer down, the phone, whatever is pulling my attention will be there. When I get back, it is imperative that I go do this because I want that feeling that I see my students and clients getting to have. I want to continue the cycle. So that's really who inspires me the most, at least at this point. That's, that's very great. cool. That's, that's amazing. Kate, how can people find out more about you? How can they find you online, see what you do, and uh, maybe even work with you? Oh, well, yes, I'd love to share. Um, so if you'd like to follow just the adventures of my life outside, um, and maybe use them as inspiration or uh, ideas for yourself, you can follow me on Instagram, um, which is just at my name, Kate Galliette. And um, I'm sure this will be listed. My name will be listed on this somewhere. So folks can look at my last name. It's not the easiest to spell, but also not the hardest. Um, but if you'd like to learn more educational things about how to make your own body capable of this, um, head on over to the unbreakablebody.com. Uh, and that's the same on Instagram. And I'll have a lot more information there. I'm actually in the process of um, bringing a lot of my fit for real life website content into the unbreakable body world so that those two worlds can kind of harmonize together now because they are arms of the same family. And I just want more folks to be able to find that stuff. Um, so the unbreakablebody.com will have all of that wonderful information. And uh, as I said, you can follow the adventures at, on Instagram at Kate Galliette. Very cool. We're going to put these in the show notes in the podcast as this is your special um, guest appearance for our community that will be on our online school platform and in the Facebook page. And we'll make sure that people get tons of exposure to you so they can soak some of the inspiration. Oh, gosh. Thank you so much. I just love having a great conversation, which this has been, and sharing with others. And no expectation of what it might land like in someone else's soul, but maybe something lands that they can maybe go out on a walk and notice something or plan a big adventure or train their body to, to really be the excellent caretaker of their own body. Uh, I'm here for all of it and supportive of all of those endeavors. So thank you to the two of you for letting me be a part of this process with you and your students and share with your folks. Um, it's the greatest honor to get to talk about this and a real pleasure to get to live a life that I then get to tell people about how they could have a life of their own creating that uh, embodies some of these same principles. It's amazing. Thank you for the gift and thank you for the way you've uh, thrown yourself in an embodied way into, into all of this. It's, it's truly an honor. Oh gosh. Thank you so much. I think yeah. if uh, future me would have said, Hey, <laughs> be really uncomfortable past me when I've been like, oh, I should probably think twice about this, but thankfully I didn't. And I just went in head first. Yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You guys are wonderful. Awesome.
Thank you. And to all of our listeners in the community and in the wider podcast universe out there, um, be well, get out, notice stuff, and uh, maybe drop us a line and let us know what you notice. Absolutely. Have a great day, everybody. Hey, thank you for listening. If you like the show, why not subscribe using the podcast app of your choice and get each episode delivered to you automatically. If you love the show, consider sharing it or leaving a rating or review using the links in the show notes. You can find your free downloads and all the ways to work with us at eatmovelive52.com slash podcast guest. And thank you for listening to the Eat Move Live 52 podcast. Thank you.